Hello, friends. This is Josie from Speaking in Church, the podcast you are currently listening to. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about my favorite current thing right now, which is Anchor. Anchor is a free podcasting platform. Um, It's the easiest way to make a podcast. This dummy, yours truly, set it up real quick. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, which, hello, talk about easy. You don't have to be some professional computer person, which is dope. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and literally wherever else you want to put it. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, which, you know, some of us are just not going to get a million people listening, which is fine. Um, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you want to make your own podcast about literally anything like the two of us, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey friends, welcome back to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. The gang is back together. We're back. Sorry about the little interlude. Um, Life gets in the way sometimes, you know? Fuck it. But anyways, (laughs) today we are joined by the amazing Carissa Smith of the Angry Church Kid Instagram feed page, whatever they're called. She is a hashtag exvangelical and deconstructionist all the terms you know and today we're talking a little bit about youth groups Mm -hmm. hi guys (laughs) uh yeah so carissa you spent the first 24 years of your life in the church and then you left tell us all about it (laughs) yeah uh we left after my first kid was born she's 10 now so about nine years ago um just kind of realized we were we were burnt out, but, um, yeah, I was, I was baptized as a baby. And then again, when I was eight, cause I made the, t- the decision myself and I grew up in a very Pentecostal, um, evangelical, like speaking in tongues, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. screaming in the aisles, yeah. Sunday night services, mm-hmm. um, sort of church. And from the time I was in diapers up until I was a youth leader for seven years, it was it was a hundred percent my life. And then, um, just kind of moved away from the, the city that we lived in. Well, this, okay. So half my life was in Dallas, Fort Worth area and half my life was in Seattle. Um, and so I moved to Seattle when I was like 14 and got plugged into youth group right away. Um, and, became a youth leader. I think we weren't allowed to be youth leaders until 10th grade, but they let me start at ninth grade. I guess I was mature for my age or something. Yeah. Something just real special. (laughs) Um, and so I was a youth leader for all of high school and then several years after high school. And my husband got a different, we met at youth group, my husband and I, he's from Seattle his whole life. Um, we live in Austin now. <laughs> Sorry, I'm kind of speeding through all of these things. No, I love it. Um, but we moved to a different city just because he, we were moving closer to his job, and none of our friends kept up with us when we left 
our church. It wasn't on purpose to leave the church. It was just like, oh, we're just going to move closer to his work. Um, and we didn't want to drive the 45 minutes it took to get there anymore. So we weren't going to show up early. So we were like, well, we're not going to serve on leadership team anymore, um, but we'll still attend. And then we kind of didn't attend because we really liked sleeping in mm-hmm. on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh and then we realized that nobody had reached out to us. Nobody had talked to us. Nobody called us and said, Hey, where you been? Even though we were, we were really integral to the lifeblood of our church. And so it was really strange when nobody reached out and that kind of made us go, well, why the hell are we even going anyway? <laughs> if It's not, you know, our home, our chosen family. Um, and so it kind of took us into those steps to examine where we were at in our spiritual life, not just our church life, but our spiritual life as well. What do we actually believe? And having this first kid um, at the ripe old age of 23. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, she's 10 now. So um, I don't get this dewy glowing skin from a regimented skincare routine (laughs) because I was fucking young. (laughs) Um. But we, we were like, well, what do we want to raise our kid in? You know, she had been, we got her um, dedicated when she was a baby. Cause you know, we were going to, we were going to raise her up in the church, of course, cause we were good church kids. And then, and then it just kind of all fizzled, I guess. Um, getting out of it was the first step to really getting out of it in my head. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you don't experience people who are different from you until you step out of that world and you realize, Oh shit, the world is a lot different than it is inside the church. The things I thought were just normal commonplace are like, Oh, that's really weird. I shouldn't, I shouldn't act like that anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you meet people and you pick apart all the ways that their life is not living according to the, the word and what they could be doing better. And, you know, you could be redeemed and you could be righteous and you could be so much happier if you were just living for Jesus and normal people don't do that. And it turns out I'm a lot happier now than I was back then. Yeah. Tell yeah, us a little bit about your, um, uh, when we talked about what we're going to talk about today, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we had, you had kind of brought up like youth groups and mm-hmm. free labor and such yeah. and such. And then Spencer and I were talking about it and we realized that we had vastly different church experiences when it came Ooh. to like youth groups. Um, tell us a little bit about your experience though first. All right. Um, so my church in Texas, um, the Pentecostal speaking in tongues went, well, my Seattle one did that too. But anyway, my, my church in Texas was very like, you wear suits, women wear skirts. Um, wait, what denomination was this? It was non-denominational. That's what they said, but sounds very assemblies of God to me. Yeah, I could see that we weren't attached to any like parents. Right group or anything like that, but it was, it had a lot of those sort of overtones. Um, yeah, but that one had a youth group and I thought they were just the coolest people on the planet because they would like 
go on mission trips to Mexico and they would hang out with each other and they had really cool posters all over the walls and they had a couch in their room. Um, you know, this is me in Sunday school, looking at the youth being like, I want a couch in my room, in my Sunday school room. Um, so naturally when I was old enough, I went into youth group and, uh, I was the oldest one in youth group when I got into it because everybody older than me was like a full four years older than me. So they graduated high school by the time I got in there. Cause it was a pretty small church. There was only like 10 of us in youth group. Oh, wow. Um, and so I always kind of prided myself on being like the, the oldest and the, the leader and the, the one with the extra responsibility and look how helpful I am and look how cool I am. Um, and that was where I got my start loving that feeling of being an integral part of this like elite group, I guess. Uh, so then when my family moved up to Seattle, my dad was in the military. So we, we moved up to Seattle and, uh, I stayed behind to have one last summer with my mom before I moved there to start the school year. And my sisters were calling me and they were like, Oh my God, this youth group is amazing. We went church shopping. We went to these like four or five different churches and we picked one and this one's amazing. And Oh my God, Carissa, there's this guy there that is so hot and you're just going <laughs> to love him. You guys are going to fall in love and you're going to get married. <laughs> so the I was, in, I was sold. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time I got there, I had this like picture of this amazing youth group hyped up in my mind. Um, and I was like, I need to be there. That's my crew. That's my group. That's my clique that I've always been involved in. That's where I feel comfortable. Um, so I get there and I meet the pastor and the boy was beautiful and I was in love with him for years. Um, not the guy that I married, it was, you know, 15, 16 year old love, but, um, I plugged myself into youth leadership and, um, met my husband who I was not in the least bit interested in, by the way, <laughs> mm. Mm. uh, at all when I first met him. And then as the years went on and we had this really tight knit group of like eight of us that were youth leaders, uh, we all just kind of hung out in the same circles. And I started noticing like, Oh, he's, he's pretty cute. Actually. He's like funny and non-problematic. So we, we fell in love <laughs> and started dating at 18. But anyway, uh, before that, like I said, I started as a leader, uh, which was a big ass deal to me at the time in ninth grade instead of 10th and started leading like prayer groups. And, um, I was kind of apprenticing under the youth pastors and the wife and, um, and the, the other youth leaders that were in our group that were probably, I don't know, five, six years older than me. It's not much older than me, but I thought they were giants, you know, um, and the youth group was really heavily relied on for every ministry in the church. Our youth group, you know, I, I always felt was really special. Of course I felt like it was special, but, um, we, we were so tight for so many years. We saw each other Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, Wednesdays, sometimes Tuesdays for 
like women's groups or, or accountability groups or whatever. And then Saturday night was our big youth group night and we would get there at 2 PM, start setting up, start sound check. Um, we had a big music production, all that. And so we, and, and then we would go to someone's house and hang out after youth group until one or two in the morning and crash at their house and then be at church again in the, the next morning. Um, so many Saturday nights staying up until 4am and then getting up at six o'clock the next day to go be at church by seven, because that's what you did. That's what our group did because we felt like our crew was again, that word integral to the life of the church. We were without us, the church would fall apart um, because we were the only ones who knew how to set up the chairs properly, knew how to set up the sound system properly, knew, um, had the keys to the janitor's closet. We were the only ones that could, um, effectively run the AV system. I, I was in charge of the AV. So I did the, uh, what's it called? Screen. The projector screen, you know, like the projector, yeah, the um, verses and words and everything like that. So like I researched the program that we use to put words up on the screen and the pastor would send me his, um, his sermon a minute and a half before service. And somehow I would get it up on that (laughs) classic, right? Oh, my, uh, my husband, Neil, he got so mad at the pastor. He's like, you have to say something. And I was like, no, it's fine. I can do it. So I'm going to do it because I can you know, you do the things that you can, because you feel like you're always trying to do better than your best because your best isn't good enough. Um, so we were asked as the youth group at at our height, there was about 80 of us. Um, and there was, like I said, about eight, eight to 10, like core leaders. And we were always, really pushing the students to be as dedicated as we were. So every women's event, every men's event, every food bank event, fundraiser, uh, camp retreat, we were always recruiting ourselves and the students to go and run all of the same things that we ran on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, because as an organization, youth group ran so much better then Sunday morning church, because they were a bunch of old fuddy duddies who, you know, didn't know how to run a computer. So we were like, well, these are our gifts and we will present these to the Lord. And it took leaving to understand how much we were abused in that environment, because we were told you know, in no uncertain, like in, in not no concrete terms, we weren't told like, if you don't do this, then you're a bad Christian, but there was absolutely an atmosphere of you have to be giving 110% to even approach the throne of God. Mm-hmm. You know, we were, we were, not really given the option to skip services. I I carry a lot of guilt because I skipped my sister's bridal shower because I had already committed to running AV at the women's retreat. I also missed a friend's wedding 
because I had committed to run AV at that women's retreat. Holy fuckola. <laughs> yeah. That was how deep it was. It was like, well, I already committed to this. And if I back out, there's nobody else that can do this. So women's retreat will be ruined and lives will be, you know, souls won't be one for God. So I have to go because the calling of Jesus is a higher calling than your wedding. Well, let's be honest. She got divorced. So it's not like it was going to be her first wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. She did get divorced, but I I still should have gone to her bridal shower. She's my sister. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was where, that's kind of where we existed for seven years being youth leaders and attending youth. I also wasn't told to do this, but I always felt like I had to, I kept my cell phone on like full volume on my bedside table and make sure I, I charged it because I would frequently get phone calls from my students in the middle of the night being like, Hey, I'm on a bridge. I'm about to jump off. And I'm like, I'm there. I'm on my way. I was a 17 year old girl. Like I don't need that pressure. I was 19, 18. That's not, that shouldn't be my job. Right. And that option was never opened up to me. It was like, you're a youth leader. You're responsible for these kids. You're responsible for their souls because their parents have failed them. So you are now their caretaker mm-hmm yep wow 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 well i just as soon as you said all the days that you were there i was like yeah i was there on sunday i was there on monday i was there on wednesday i was there on thursday i was there on friday i was there on saturday like yeah mm-hmm. the cycle never ended and i grew up in a similar situation um my church involved past having to wear skirts luckily although there was a huge controversy when my parents were both in the worship team and my mom was like i'm gonna wear slacks when i am on the worship team and i don't think i have to wear a skirt and that was a whole big controversy switching to pants for the women on the worship Oof. team how dare she yeah but that goddamn slut slut <laughs> But then I went to a Baptist church and it was worse. Yeah, they do. Oh, well. Stumble, men, stumble. (laughs) But yeah, and then I went to a Baptist church and the culture was very similar in that a select group of students were decided to be the leaders. And then you had to do all this extra work Saturdays. And I remember a friend telling me that he would get yelled at running AV uh, if he made a little mistake like in mm-hmm. not soon enough. Mm-hmm. And I think granted nobody has ever dealt, dared yell at me in my life outside of my parents, because I think I just <laughs> have that personality. That's like, Ooh, I think Josie's going to bite me back. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was a couple of times where I would be running the, you know, the verses up on the screen and pastor would be like, can you go to the next screen? can you go to the next screen please and i'd be like yeah sorry the the 
screen is stuck. The computer's frozen. You know, and he'd be like, oh, somebody out there needs to get their stuff together. She can't run the thing. Like shaming me from the pulpit. For your equipment. (laughs) Because he gave me the sermon a minute and a half before he went on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I had time to work on it because I was running the words for worship. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Pastor Kevin, when do you expect me? Oh, maybe I shouldn't say his name. He's There's a much better Kevins. now. <laughs> That's true. He's he's actually surprised me. We're still friends on Facebook. And he's actually surprised me in this last election cycle. He is a staunch Republican, but he's like, I'm absolutely not voting for that horrible man. And if abortion is the only thing that you care about, then here's my thoughts on that. And also, please don't vote for that horrible man. And I was like, Crazy. Hey, Good job, man. Yeah. There's some like critical thinking happening. So he's he's gotten a lot better, but he definitely had this like, well, you've done it before, so why can't you just do it perfectly every time? So then yeah, of yeah. course I was still I was held to this standard of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Which again, yeah. not healthy. Yeah. Spencer, you had a very different experience. I feel like your church is probably better than ours. <laughs> uh, I had, yeah, I had a very different experience in the sense of I was still there a lot. Um, so we, my, my family would go Sunday mornings, obviously. And then Sunday night was high school Bible study. And the small group I was in actually met before high school Bible study. So while other kids would add another day, I knocked out a lot of things on Sunday. Um, but then my senior year, I, um, was in the youth band. So Monday nights was practice. Um, so I would go on Monday nights to practice and then, uh, Wednesdays, was youth group and I would get there early because my senior year I led a small group for middle school girls me and then an actual youth leader we called her grandma she was a sweet old woman still <sighs> love her to death and so me and that sounds sweet- really perfect for youth group like really relatable mm-hmm. uh, it I know it sounds weird but it was because she was actually a brand new Christian like she became oh, a Christian in her okay. 60s that's cute so it was like this cool balance of you have like this sweet grandma lady who's like a new Christian and like really enthused about the Bible. And then they had partnered her with a senior girl that were teaching middle school girls. And so it was this like <laughs> loving grandma adult with this like quote unquote cool high schooler. And like the middle school girls were like, this is the best. That's cute. Um, yeah. So I, we did that on Wednesday nights before youth group. And then, um, Saturdays, not every Saturday. We normally did it once a month. Um, we would have what was called just high school service project. And so, um, yeah, like I said, normally it was once a month, we would go out to somebody in the community, normally somebody elderly, and we would either Mm -hmm. like do yard work for them or like do a project around their house and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, like when you're talking about like youth, like running all of these things for the church, like Mm -hmm. that wasn't the case, like Sunday mornings, like for like big church, quote unquote, like no, like they had a whole team of adults that like ran the cameras to like put the pastor on the big screens and do the verses okay. and all that. And even so for the you- kid, the youth was kind of more involved in like actual service projects. Yeah. So we did like so much serving. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like we, when I think of youth group service and that's why when Josie was like, yeah, it's kind of like almost like free labor or like kind of like, um, you know, just like really like weird. It was hard for me to comprehend because for me, I was like, yeah, it was free labor, but it was all like, like volunteer. Like you weren't forced to show Mm. up on Saturday morning. You weren't forced to 
quote unquote, give up your spring break to serve your community while other kids went to the fair and things like that. Like it was all very much of like, I chose to do those things. And as far as like running the youth group, we like, yeah, we had kids run the slides during youth group and things like that. And, you know, there things went wrong all the time because you had teenagers doing things, yeah. but the way that our youth leader sh- showed and like showed a lot of grace and love because it was like, this is your opportunity because, you know, they framed it as, well, you're the next generation. Like you're going to be running the church one day. So this is a time for you to just like make those mistakes and get better and find your gifts and all of that. And so that's where I was like, like, I'm not surprised that that happens because I've heard Mm -hmm. so many other stories, but for me personally, I was like, I just had such a different experience that I really had to reflect of like, like, was it kind of bad? And I just didn't realize it. But after like taking time, I'm like, no, really? Like I, I mean, personally, like for myself and all the involvement I did, it was a very positive experience. And like what I told Josie, like I used it for scholarships, you know, writing papers about all the community service I did and all of that. So it was very much a positive thing for me. Um, but yeah, I definitely see. And like I said, I've heard other stories of how that's not the case and it's taken for granted and abused and pushed to the limit instead of being a healthy opportunity for growth and leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I can um... probably count on one hand, the number of like servant community service projects we did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. I, um, I did a lot of community service in my high school, but not at church. The most I <laughs> probably court did... mandated. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at, at church, the most community service type thing I did was run the hot dog stand for the Saturday basketball league they had at the church. Nice. Hebrew National are the only holy hot dogs. The only holy um, Amen. I only buy Hebrew National, honestly. <laughs> oh. I live in Texas, so I have a much bigger choice when yeah. it comes to what goes in my hot dog bun. Hey. <laughs> Texas. Hebrew yeah. Nationals are fine. But I feel like Texas like... probably had a lot to affect the experience as well because i grew up in california um mm. i'm kind of bougie about california actually i think every other state sucks <laughs> but you know wow no <laughs> is that where you're at now i don't actually know where you guys are based i am in costa mesa california okay. and i am in tucson arizona mm-hmm. oh wow okay yeah well spencer and i lived near each other up until recently she recently moved yes very recently mm-hmm. <laughs> But we went to school together. APU is the Pacific University, a small Christian liberal arts college. (laughs) Christian college, man. It was a a time. When you're talking about Seattle, I, so I served at a, at a Bible camp in uh, Bellevue, you know, right outside of Mm -hmm. Seattle for three summers. Yes, I know where Bellevue is. (laughs) And so, yeah, uh, just giving context for the listeners, if you don't know where Bellevue is. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Suburb of Seattle. But so when you're talking about that culture, it's so funny because one of my, one of my best friends, she's been on the podcast before. um, We talk a lot about that because the Christian culture of Seattle is probably one of the wildest subcultures within evangelicals because it's this weird, like, we're so cool and hip and like, we're in the know of like pop culture, but then they're it's actually like the Australia of America. Yeah, yeah but then yeah. they're actually like, so they put off this facade of like, we're cool, we're hip, like yeah. we're in quote unquote, we're like, we're in the world, but like not of it, like that. Oh, kind of yeah. yeah. And then you, and then you go to some of these churches and you're like, this is the weirdest place I've ever been. I gotta go <laughs> right now. Like, I gotta dip. And it's all like, again, I, I, I've been to maybe, 
four churches in the greater Seattle area and only one of them I would go back because it was progressive, open and affirming, all of that. The other three I went to were very much that exactly what you were talking about of people were like, this should be your whole life. And I'm like, dude, I only live here during the summer. Like I work at a Bible camp. Like I do enough service during the week. I'm not going to come here on Sunday mornings and serve the kids. Wait, did you work at a Bible camp in the Seattle area? Yeah. So in Bellevue is where I, Oh, okay. Okay. On Lake on Lake Sammamish, if you just uh-huh. put one two together, I don't really want to see yeah. what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> there was you... a there was a Bible camp just south of where we actually lived. Mm-hmm. Um, that was we lived in like a suburb of Kent. It was yeah, like yeah. between mm-hmm. Kent and the mountains, kind of. Um, and so there was a big Bible camp that a lot of people went to, and um there was a lot of shenanigans that happened at that camp. I, I will just say shenanigans. Yeah, what, what was uh, what's happening in the, in the, the heat of the night was not mm, what was happening from the pulpit. Mm, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me tell you. Um, if you've ever, if you've ever done... not me, because I didn't know that stuff was going on. <laughs> until until after after. Fact. It's like, you I... guys did what? I I always tell people if you've driven down Lake Sammamish Parkway nine out of ten times you've seen the banner you've seen the walkway you know what I'm talking about yeah Um, I've driven down that road but I can't picture it but I'm maybe I just you know I saw every other church as a threat yeah (laughs) okay so that that right there so while I was working at the camp exactly said every other church is a threat um, a lot of, a lot of us came from all over the country, you know, because they would go to Bible colleges and recruit kids to come, but there was mm-hmm. also a big group that like grew up in Bellevue, Issaquah, Kent, Kirkland, that whole area. Mm-hmm. And they would be like, you need to come to my church because it's the best church. And there was like division of like, um, we had camp vans because not everybody could bring a car, you know, like I came from California, didn't bring a mm-hmm. car. Yeah. And so they were like, this camp van leaves at eight o'clock and we're going to this church. But if you want to go to the other church, that van leaves at this time. And it was like this weird thing of like, oh, like, which one are we going to? And like, oh, well, so-and-so goes there. So I don't want to go there. Like, that doesn't give me a good vibe. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, can we all just like go to church and then come back and have a good time? Like, I don't understand why is this like this? Oh my gosh. The only thing I know about Seattle churches is that uh, Justin Bieber pastor. What's his Judah name? Smith, church home. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've always yeah. had a weird vibe. I'm just like, oh, you're like that, five years old. Can you not that was me? That was one of the churches I went to at one time and like honestly was like almost a little scared because you know i i'd been to mega churches but i had never been to a mega church like that and is it, it ginormous it oh yeah it's ginormous and it's exactly who you think would be there like if justin bieber goes there then anybody else you picture like oh yeah exactly everybody's wearing skinny jeans and everybody has mustaches and everybody and looks everybody has like mules or what are those like half boot things oh, that yeah. men wear i used to know mm-hmm. the word for that i just don't care anymore yeah yep. so it's exactly what you think it would be and i stuck out like a sore thumb everyone because... appropriating black culture you know? 100 and uh yeah i st- stuck out like a sore thumb because like i said i came to work at bible camp so i didn't bring my cool hipster clothes i had yeah. some i had a pair of jeans <laughs> and a camp t-shirt and i was like what the heck where am i yeah pass <laughs> <laughs> um so chris how has I know we talked about how you're ex-evangelical, you know, uh, but how has 
that all affected your life now i know you've left but there has to be some residual trauma oh god yes so much (laughs) the the constant you are not good enough was just pounded into me Mm -hmm. my like if my dad heard this he would be so heartbroken because he did so much to try and pour so much love into us. Um, I am number three of four girls Wow! and we have no boys. My dad is a very sentimental, very emotional man. Mm. Um, he is falling apart that three out of four of his girls have fallen away from Jesus and sees it as a moral failing of his uh obviously he's failed as a as a dad and as a parent um because none of his children follow jesus and he he is a firm believer in less of me and more of you that whole mindset like Mm -hmm. nothing about me matters unless i'm in christ um and it he didn't mean to, and I recognize that he didn't mean to give us this mindset, but the mindset was less of me, more of you means I'm not good enough on my own, Mm -hmm. right? I'm garbage. I'm trash. Like there are songs with the lyrics of, you know, I'm broken. I'm dirty, like come to me and make me clean those sorts of words. And it makes you have this attitude of like, nothing I do is ever good enough, but God damn it. I'm going to, I mean, gosh, darn it. I'm going to (laughs) try because, you know, I, I need to feel like I'm good enough to present myself to Jesus, but there's nothing you can do to make yourself good enough because you're constantly being told that you can't be good enough. Mm -hmm. And if you do something, if you do something that's not motivated by God, then it's, it's, it's seen as worthless. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you, like, I, I totally resonate with that of like, if I did something good, I always have to say, Oh, like, thank God, like praise God. Like Mm -hmm. my first intention was never, wow. I worked really hard for that. It was Mm -hmm. always, Oh, like God just made it so I could be. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I had a friend who grew up in a in a really um, devout Christian environment as well, and um, uh, you're welcome for that. Hell yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's a this full is glass so of real. wine, right? There. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he, and he graduated from college and was in the Marines. So he he joined the Marines and then he went through college like communications and engineering and stuff and he did a a full you know four year degree program graduated from college um and his parents were like oh thank god you know praise the lord that you went through this and and praise be to jesus everything that you just accomplished it's all his you know his glory and his honor and he's like fuck you guys god damn it i did this i was the one that stayed up until 4 a.m studying this is my accomplishment and i'm the one that did this and when i do something bad you don't blame god so why Mm -hmm. are you giving him my props like Mm -hmm. that's not fair you can't say oh god did that in your life when something good happens 
But then when something bad happens, you don't say God did that in your life. That it doesn't, it doesn't work. It doesn't. No, that's the it enemy, Carissa. The, didn't you know that the enemy does all the things? Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm fully demon possessed at this point. Fully. I'm sure. So Wait, also, <laughs> oh, well, first of all, in the words of Justin Bieber, I'd like to thank God and Jesus. Um, second of all, uh, the when okay, so when Christians talk about you know like he you know the verse that's like he works together all things for the good of like those who love mm -hmm. him that's a terrible paraphrase but that sort of mentality of yeah anytime something good happens for you it's like god blessed you like that was such a good thing and you know as somebody who i still believe in jesus and all of that like i'm not denying that that's that that's not a thing but exactly what you said of then how come when bad things happen to me i can't be like god what the hell like why is this happening it's always the enemy or it's oh you are living something out of con like you're living out of this context or you're doing right, something right. wrong yes or if something bad has happened then you are not righteous enough that you've yes. invited this negativity into your life or again even, with that you're not good enough or mm -hmm. even if even if they don't feed into that they feed into the cop out of well everything happens for a reason or god has a greater plan when i'm a firm believer that there are some things that happen that God did not want to happen, but because of humanity and free will, like, yeah, things happen, but that doesn't mean it's your fault. Like the whole universe is working simultaneously as you are. Like other people are making choices that impact you. Other people mm -hmm. make choices that can make bad things happen in my life. Or I make choices that, yeah, can have bad things happen in my life, but simultaneously, I'm making good choices that are making good things happen. Other people are making good choices that are making things happen in my life. And to see one as a blessing and one as the enemy or a curse is so damaging on so many levels. Mm -hmm. And then that, like, what about the things that are God breathed to use a very yeah, churchy yeah. phrase? Breathed. And, and that, what I mean by that is the things that don't come from free will. So things like, hurricanes and mm -hmm. famine yeah. and uh kids getting leukemia where the fuck does that fit into god's plan mm -hmm. why on earth would god plan for a kid to get leukemia yep. like this isn't something that's caused by free will and i grew up with a lot of apologetics so i can i can be like well something that the mother did in her life brought this upon her mm -hmm. to which i would say but what about grace? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to argue in that way, what about grace? Where does that come in? Yep. If she's, yeah. even if she is living in this life still in this, in this sinful life or whatever, and she's bringing this upon herself, you're punishing a child for this. Yep. Like a beautiful, perfect and pure child. Mm -hmm. So I've come to the conclusion for myself that either God can't intervene when it comes to injustice and suffering, or he chooses not to. So either he's not all powerful and he can't do anything about it, or he's not all good because he chooses not to. Yep. And if that's the case, then he's no better than a human. And why the fuck do I need him? <laughs> mm -hmm. Like maybe God is real. Who knows? I certainly don't but it doesn't matter all that much to me. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, a decade in the making. There was absolutely a time when we left church that the thought of letting go of 
the idea of God, the concept of a creator was terrifying to me because if I let go of the concept of a creator, where does that leave me? That's just a, I'm just this like tiny nothing on this rock that's spinning in the abyss of space. I don't mean anything if there's no creator, if there's no God that loves me. But I feel like this, this tiny being on this spinning rock in the abyss of space is what I have. So I'm going to have fun with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and maybe people don't have the whole religion thing figured out either. Right. Like maybe there is a God and maybe we just haven't been paying attention and maybe i've always told people like who are trying to get all apologetics on me and i'm like i thought the greatest commandment was to love your neighbor you're not doing that very well homie so who's gonna go to heaven you or me who's loving their neighbor more you or me Mm. sounds all else is inconsequential right the whole point i think the whole point of existence is just to be a decent fucking human being Mm Yeah, religion has existed in every civilization in recorded history. Mm -hmm. So there's clearly something to the spiritual realm of things. People have been trying to connect with a deity since humans have existed, you know, since before humans have existed. We don't even know, like cave drawings, right? Neanderthals living in caves have pictures that don't make any sense to us. Maybe they were trying to commune with their creator. Mm -hmm. So something is connecting us to a spiritual realm. Yeah. I have no problem with spirituality. I just don't feel that I need it. Yeah. Because a big part of me is still really, really scared of getting sucked into something that's going to dupe me again. (laughs) And that is the church's fault. Mm -hmm. Y'all were so concerned with people's souls. You didn't stop to pay attention about what the abuse that you were inflicting on people might do to their eternal souls. If you're so concerned about hell. Yeah. I don't, I don't care too much about eternity anymore. And like I said, that would devastate my father to hear that, but yeah, I just, I, I care more about my kids opinion of themselves. My kids are so important to me and how they, I have two daughters, eight and 10 and how they view themselves. The thought of imparting the idea to them that they are dirty and evil and rotten. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't even at this point in my life fathom how my, my parents put that on us. Like, I know that they were doing the best with what they had, but how can you look at these beautiful children mm-hmm. and think you're dirty and rotten and evil and you deserve to burn? Mm-hmm. How is that something that a parent can say to their kid? Yeah. And I, and like, it's crazy. Cause I like leaving the evangelical circle. I've had like the opposite experience where I care about like eternity more mm-hmm. because of I, so like, I came to church later. I was, I didn't become a Christian until like I was a teenager because of just my parents were raised. My dad was raised Catholic. My mom was raised Baptist. And then they kind of Mm -hmm. left and then came back. And so like, I had heard like, you know, like the narratives of in, in youth group of like, well, you're just prone to sin and you're bad and all of this. And then went to Bible college and you hear that a little bit more. And then you kind of start studying the theology and they talk about, you know, like 
um, like the first sin and then how every human after that is just prone to sin because of the first one you're born into it. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't really think so because exactly like you said, I'm like, I look at like my nephew who's like a year and a half old and like, does he do naughty things? Yes. Kids do naughty yeah. things, but there's a difference yeah. between being naughty and being bad. And yeah. And yeah. when kids being inherently evil and just like, I just want that yes. cookie really bad. And yeah, <laughs> living into living into like curiosity and mm-hmm. living into like an instinct, a human nature. And that's where people will mm-hmm. be like, Oh, that human nature is sin. And I'm like, no, it's not like, that's just instinct. That's human nature. Like, again, like I am on the progressive end. So I believe in evolution and I believe that mm-hmm. all of that can coexist with God, the creator. And so yeah. that's where I'm like, no, that's not what it is. And exactly what you said of when I think about my future children, like, and what I believe about myself now of like, I don't believe that like I inherently bad or that I'm evil. I think that I'm a human being and I'm created in the image of my creator, which means I have inherent worth and dignity and I am good because he flat out said, like, if I believe in the Bible, like he flat out said, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'll tell my kids of like, yeah, we all mess up. Like we do stupid things, but that doesn't mean you're evil or you're bad or you're wrong. Like that just means you're a human, but you are inherently good and you have this inherent value in you. And so it, yeah, it's just, I think that's a, it's a good balance of like Carissa being like, this is what happened. And this is how I responded. And I'm like, this is what happened. This is how I responded. And I think even that just shows the complexity of humanity. Mm-hmm. It shows of how different people respond to different things. And again, you go, go into, maybe if I was raised differently, I would have had a different mm-hmm. response. Maybe if you were raised differently, you would have a different response. And yeah. I think it, it paints the good picture, especially for churches where I think a lot of times churches try to have this cookie cutter fix for people of if you just did X, Y, and Z, you would feel a different way. If you just stopped doing this sin, or if you just stopped doing that, or if you did more of this and I devoted more of your time to the church. Yes. Yes. When honestly, sometimes you want people to quote unquote, be better Christians and you want them to heal and you want them to know God. Sometimes that means stepping away step away from the church, like take a break, take a breath and commune with God in the most holy, intimate way of just being human and just figuring out who you are. But if you take a break from the church, if you like step away from the church for a minute and take a break, you might realize that not being at church is kind of fucking badass and yeah. awesome. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you won't come back. Mm-hmm. So mine would never encourage taking a break from church. Cause if you take a break from church, you're taking a break from God because our church was God breathed. Right. So there yeah. was sure. Sure. Zero, sure. And zero I, permission yeah. to step back and, and Hey, I'm getting real burnt out here. And they're like, Oh, that must mean that you need to go to more retreats. You, you must need to go to more Bible studies because you, you know, you're not hearing from God. You're not, he's not filling you up right now. So you must need to go to more things. I mm-hmm. will never forget the first time, maybe even the only time a pastor, I, I was working at this church and I was having a really hard time is in the middle of Bible college. And I was burnt out. I was burnt out from specifically the Bible. I was just having a really hard struggle with it. It was really when I, 
I'd kind of always been on the affirming side. There was a brief stint when I first became a Christian where I was like, well, I'm better than you and you're gay and that's a sin. And then I realized like 14 (laughs) and it was brand new, like Christian. And I had just come back from like a Christian retreat and they were like being gay wrong. And I was like, sure. Oh, um, but then, you know, by the, by the end of high school, for sure, I was 100% like, I don't believe that the Bible says that. So go to Bible college and obviously there's mixed Well, reviews. it does, but the Bible, I mean, Christians ignore so many things from the Bible. Well, also, really, you can make your own assumptions. Also doesn't about, really well, say that. Yeah, because the word homosexuality in the sure, sure, that sure, we sure. know it wasn't wasn't introduced to the bible to the rsv in the 1940s and by white people yeah and when you look at the like the historical structure it's talking about um men like raping their slave boys like roman culture but anyways i digress on that um so i had was learning at this church and i was like i just want can i just like meet with the pastor they're like yeah we can get a meeting set up with a pastor like kind of like pastoral counseling Mm -hmm. i sat with this pastor and i told her I'm like burnt out. Like I'm tired of writing these Bible papers and then having to do all this stuff. Like I was like, I just don't want to read my Bible. Like it is making me, it's like making me so tired. And she was like, yeah, I went through one of those and I stopped reading my Bible for like a year. And she was a pastor and straight up was like, if you want me to stop reading the Bible because you think it is taking you away from God, then that's a valid thing. And I just like, my mind was blown and now she's openly queer and married to a woman. So I think her advice was killer. So she very much is a smart person, but that was like the first time that somebody in Christian authority had given me freedom to not only just live my truth, but to actually be like, if that's something that's needed, then like you need to take care of yourself. Because I think in that moment was really what Josie was talking about of like, you really want to say you care about people's souls, you care about people's well-being. I think she took that seriously in that moment. Instead of just being like, well, here's a passage you should read that will make me feel better. It was straight up like, mm-hmm. all right, then let's take a break. Like, stop reading your Bible. Like, you still like being in community? Yeah, I love being in community. I love being with my people. Cool. How do you feel about going to church on Sundays? I don't have a problem with that. I like going to church, mm-hmm. like worship. I just don't really find any joy or help in reading my Bible right now, especially when I have to read it for class all the time. She's like, all right, cool. Then like be in that place. And I'm like, mm-hmm. nice. Awesome. The Bible <laughs> definitely doesn't say anything about being a lesbian. Nope. It's true. The old, true. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anywhere. That's right. I'd like to point out that was actually, my sister came out. Um, she's, they've been married for 10 years now, her and her wife. And, but she came out and, um, and I asked my pastor because I was really struggling with it. I was like, I want to love my sister and I want to support her. And I want to, you know, she's super happy. And this girl seems to bring out all the best in her. Um, and I, I asked my pastor, like, if there's love in a relationship and the Bible says God is love, then how is there not God in this relationship? And she said, well, that's not real love. But how do we know that? And, and I just looked at her and I was like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? How fucking dare you? Like judge someone else's. How do you say that's not love? Well, we have a definition of what love is as a Christian. You can say love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
love never fails. If that is what this relationship is doing, then it is following the biblical definition of love. And then Bible says God is love. So if God is all of these things and these things are all of their relationship, then how is God not in this relationship? And how are you saying this is not okay? And none of that lined up with their teachings and nobody could give me a good answer as to why that was not okay. And then her brother came out as gay and they loosened up a little bit, but it made me be like, what the fuck? Like my sister's not good enough for you to, to notice these things, these like inconsistencies with the Bible and say, well, you know, maybe we explain X, Y, Z with context. Maybe homosexuality is also explainable with context, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe the, don't lay with little boys verse is what they meant by homosexuality and maybe uh, be fruitful and multiply was the most important um, directive at the time. And you can't be fruitful and multiply with the technology that they had at the time between two gay people keep on trying. <laughs> but- like maybe all of these things, but why, why did it take you seeing your brother come out for you to be like, Oh, hold up. Maybe what we've been saying is wrong all along. Like my sister's not good enough. Their love wasn't a good enough example for you or the the love of any gay couple wasn't good enough for you to be like, hold on. Maybe like being gay is just fine. So I had a youth leader one time tell me, um, because we had similar conversations. I had a lot of LGBTQ friends in high school and we'd have these discussions where I'm like, well, like, I don't understand. Like they show me like, not even just like romantic love, but talking about like loving your neighbor kind of love. And like, yeah, these people love me better than some of the kids I sit next to in youth group. Like some of these kids are straight up assholes. And I go to school. Oh, absolutely. Youth group I go to is sc- worse. Yeah. <laughs> I go to school with these kids that wouldn't claim Jesus yet show him better than a lot of people I know. And I remember having this conversation where they're like, well, you know, because of your experience, like your feelings, you know, we're taught not to trust our feelings because that's what <laughs> I don't know. Your feelings are making you believe this when God, like God says this. And, but You're I being emotional. Yes, exactly. But then thank God for a few, uh, you go and, you know, you learn about the Westing quadrilateral. I don't know how to say that. Oh, I don't know that one. And you talk about, so you it's don't? basically, it's, Great. it's script scripture tradition. I didn't go to Bible college. I will say that never appealed Praise to God. me. <laughs> <laughs> so the quadrilateral, the four big things are scripture, tradition, experience, or reason and experience. And so going there made me realize that your experience is valid. And that is actually a valid tool to help shape your theology. And because when we look, when we look at the scriptures, like the life of Jesus, you know, um, the Jews at the time were living one way and then Jesus came and showed them another way. And you have passages like, you know, when he is talking to like the woman at the well or just anybody mm-hmm. that was outside of his social structure, he had a lived experience with them that showed that everything you thought you knew was actually wrong. And this mm-hmm. is how we're supposed to live with these people. This is how we're supposed to encounter them. And so I always thought it was really strange that I was like, okay, so I have my friends and people that I love, people in my family that are queer, part of the LGBTQ community. Um, and so, yeah, like reason and scripture and experience, they would, they, that leads me to be open and affirming. 
because I'm following the life of Jesus and Jesus had real experiences with people and that changed the way that people were supposed to interact with them. But for some reason you're saying that's not valid when that's literally what Jesus did. Like, I don't understand that at all. Well, you know, calling yourself Jesus right no, now i am not calling myself <laughs> jesus but, i'm joking i'm yes. joking i'm joking no, but that's a valid question because they would be like well you're not jesus blah, blah, blah. and i'm like literally jesus said like come follow me and your whole no it's absolutely not like a valid jesus. question it you is like not jesus. a valid question but it is the mindset that we're brought up in because well, that, anytime somebody brings up something like that like hey jesus did this stuff and i thought that was kind of cool and if i do that kind of stuff it's not cool like that you are just calling out the cognitive dissonance that happens in the church. You're not comparing yourself to your Messiah. That's not, it's not a comparable thing. That's not what you're saying. You're saying, I want to be like this person. This is my model. And the, the church regularly takes that and says, how dare you? (laughs) Like you saw how quick I got there. That's 25 years of indoctrination you know, putting you in your place is what that is. (laughs) And and that's why I left a circle like that to join. Well, I did leave the church altogether for a few years. My husband and I just kind of like you said, we're just like not into it. Um, But I went back because I, you know, I studied ministry, theology, whatever. And I just, it's just part of me. I'm, it's part of my yeah, spirituality. You're more you holy know? than me. And no, yeah. not at all. But <laughs> oh, you I, absolutely are. <laughs> but just intentionally joining a community that actually takes Jesus's life seriously and not just like all of these other rules and nonsense. And, you know, some people think, you know, some people, people I love and respect have a lot of questions and raised eyebrows about that. And I'm like, that's fine because I have questions and raised eyebrows about the things you do. So I don't know what to tell you. The only problem I have with Jesus is that he exists in the Bible and the Bible is trash. <laughs> so I, I actually know people that think the same thing. They're like, dude, like Jesus himself is cool. Like if you just want to rip out the pages about him, I'll keep that. Like I want to read that, but I don't want to read anything I else. mean, in as much as we can trust what the apostles said 40 yeah. years later when they wrote it down. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, what we I'm know kind of. of Jesus, kind of, yeah, seems like, like he was a cool guy. I've read some books in the Apocrypha about Jesus, and he was pretty cool too, but a little too cool, so they couldn't put it in there, you know? Yeah, a little too <laughs> radical. Oh my god! I was gosh. not allowed to ask about the Apocrypha. I remember asking my parents, like, "What is the Apocrypha? Why are these books not in the Bible?" And they're like, "They weren't God breathed." And I'm like, sure. how, how, and this is why this is funny because I went to Bible college and took a class called life and teachings of Jesus. And the professor 100% was like, you want to know as much about Jesus as we can, then we got to look at these books because for a while people were like, this is it. Like, this is it. So we got to figure out why they thought this wasn't it or why the powers that be didn't want people to know that this was it because the white yeah, man what, what, wanted the power oh, fuck white people god damn it <laughs> I'm very white and i just i feel like i need to apologize all the time well, <laughs> so yeah. sorry for all of your people you're not a man so it's not your fault <laughs> no that's true that's true that's true oh my gosh fuck friends well, this has been a blast. We could probably keep talking forever. And Carissa, always welcome to come back on. Think if you think of something to talk about. Uh, oh, I never end 
yeah with things to talk about i could just amen hence, you have to make me shut up as you are right now it's your instagram which everybody <laughs> should follow so they can hear you not shut up uh at angry church kid on instagram uh tell us about your mission to plug yourself tell us all about it yeah i i mean i started it just because i wanted a space that I could block my parents from to um, yeah. post, yeah, to post post memes and uh, my original thoughts. I kind of keep like a purple theme going because it's my favorite color. My hair is purple. Um, you can't tell from it's the like zoom. It's a holy but... color. <laughs> is it? Yeah, I thought it was like... for like kings. Yeah, this well, is expensive. King of kings, baby. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, so like on the on my original thoughts, I have like a purple theme going, and then I make memes sometimes. I always put my name on them, and then I also steal memes sometimes when they're real good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Love no, it. That's my page, and I just talk about like all the shit that I hate about the church itself and my experience in, you know, 1990s, early 2000s youth culture. Um, I was age. the golden age with our ridiculous t-shirts mm -hmm. and Christian rock before the days of smartphones and Instagram. The I am Grant. so happy. Oh, I hated Amy Grant. Contemporary <gasps> Christian. No, thank you. She was listening to <laughs> Skillet. Okay. Yes. Oh. I was Skillet under oath. Emery were like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, Underoath still slaps. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. They oh, still he's slap. not a Christian anymore, though. I actually saw Ooh. them in concert in the before times, right before the pandemic. We went and saw them in concert, and he played all of his new stuff because they're not Christian anymore, and I didn't know any Fuck of the yeah. songs. And they were opening for Corn, and we left before Corn <sighs> because I was only there to see Underoath, and I'm 33 years How old. <laughs> um, were you a Devil Wears Prada stand? Because that was no, they weren't Christian. Yes, they yeah. were. Devil Wears Prada is 100% Christian. No, they weren't not. Christian enough. Um, they never yes, talked about God in their lyrics. Yes, they do. Where were you guys? I don't know. I wasn't. That's not my type of music. Oh, Anyways, we're ending the show, guys. <laughs> okay, this is Remo. over. <laughs> Spencer, where can the folks find us? They can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. Uh, they can find me at Spence Rose. And they can find Josie at Josie Takes the World, all on Instagram. Follow us, DM us, all the things. Yes, we would love it. If you are we're still looking for a conservative, still want a Trump supporter on the show, I mean, I'm not saying I I'll call be my mean. dad. <gasps> oh, <laughs> if your dad is interested, no, I can not tell a little that. spicy Mexican. <laughs> You know, Republicans love Mexican so women, let me tell you that. Terrible. But <laughs> uh, still looking for somebody. If you're willing to come on, email us. If you hate us, email us. If you love us, leave us a review. And if you leave a bad review, I'll come after you. So just keep that in mind. Uh, as always, friends, stay woke or get woke. Jesus loves you. Bye.